Welcome to In Search Of. We're your hosts, Ashton and Sam. We're two accountants who binge podcasts by day and TV by night. Keep listening to find what you've been in search of. Hi, Sam. Hey, Ashton. We are recording from two different places today. Yes, this is our first remote session because Ashton's got a cold. I have a cold. And in 2021, you can't ever be too careful with a a cold. So playing it safe, guys. Switching things up, making it exciting. Yeah. So um, forgive us if the audio isn't as good as it usually is, which, who are we kidding? Our audio is, we're well, not experts. The audio is good. We are yes, just true. not true. great true. yet. Yeah, there. we're getting there. So um, today we have a very red Christmas. Yes, to talk about. it's a Christmas episode. It's a bit of a mini episode. So if we sound yes. bad, you won't have to listen for too, too long. Yes. Yep. We are doing two episodes from a podcast called Red Collar. She does a different story every day, or not every day, but every episode. And it's about red collar crime. So it's like the people you least expect to um, commit these horrible, horrible crimes. So we're each picked an episode. And we're going to cover it for you. So I guess we can first preview our episode. So if people want to go and listen, they can go listen first. Or they can just follow along with our chit-chat. But I'm doing um, the episode called A Yoga Murder. Or The Yoga Murders, I think is what it's called. Yeah, and mine is called Super Dad Psychopath. Yep, so too um, good and dark, you know, just how we like it. So... Yeah, very merry, very merry. Yeah, I know. It's, I don't know how um, special this Christmas episode is, but we are going to make it fun and entertaining, hopefully. So, okay, well, I'll go first. So I have the yoga murders. This um, happened, this crime happened in March of 2011 in a, suburb, a suburb of Washington, D.C., um, the victim is Jaina Troxel, I might not be pronouncing her name correctly, Jaina Troxel Murray, 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 not sure, but we'll just call her Jaina. Um, the, like, suspect, and I'll just say suspect for right now, in this case, what was, um, or is Brittany Norwood. So, um, on March 12th, uh, a worker, a Lululemon, arrived to the store, and she walked in, and she could tell something was off. Like, there had been a struggle. Um, it looked like, you know, like there was just, the store was, like, in like chaotic. There was things thrown around. The lights were on. I think the door was even unlocked. Like, she just knew something was off. So, and then she could also hear a noise coming from the back, like someone moaning. So she got scared. She backed up and called 911 and, like, left, left the building. Um, she eventually went back inside. She had found, like, they, the, the Lululemon store was, like, in, like, a shopping center. So she found someone else um, 
in front of another store and asked, you know, told the guy what was going on and asked him to go in with her. So eventually they go back inside and that's where they find Jaina and Brittany. Jaina and Brittany both had worked at Lululemon um, and Jaina was badly beaten. Um, she had been hit in the head and her pants had been cut. Um, she, I believe, was already dead. Um, yeah, she was, I think, dead at the scene. And then Brittany was found in the bathroom. She had blood on her hands and feet, um, or blood all over her, and her hands and feet were tied. Um, so the cops show up, and uh, they start questioning, like, other people from the other stores, and they're like, did you guys hear anything? A couple of people mentioned, you know, we heard people, like, we heard women screaming, um, and it's one of those, like, horrible things that you, you know, I'm sure all these people looked back on, but no one called the cops. Um, they kind of like disregarded it, wrote it off. Um, and you know, they were in a safe era, safe area. Um, and so they just, they did not react, uh, you know, like you would hope or expect them to. So, um, the cops questioned Brittany, of course. Um, she explains that her and Jaina had locked up the store around 9.45. They set the alarm and left. However, um, they had both forgotten something, so they went back in and turned the alarm off. At this point, um, they say, or Brittany says, two masked men come in the store, attack the women, rape them, and, and like, rob the store. Um, and Brittany explained to the cops that she had gaps in her memory, um, and so the story was kind of you know, like all over the place. And the cops be believed this. They were like, yeah, that, that can happen when something like that traumatic can, you know, happen and you have, you know, if you've been hit, et cetera. Um, there wasn't any surveillance, surveillance cameras in the store. Um, and they also asked Brittany, you know, like, why did you survive? And Jaina did not. And um, she said the Brittany said the attacker, attackers did not kill her because she was fun to, uh, we'll just leave it at that. But, you know, horrible statement. And I'm sure you can fill in the blanks with where I was going with that. So anyways, um, the cops go and investigate the crime scene. They're able to get a footprint because um, the killer, the, the footprint left behind in the blood had dried. So that was like a really good lead and they were happy that they could um process that from the crime scene and so that was like their first clue in tracking down the killer um Jaina had been uh so badly beaten that she could not be positively identified that they had to use they had to use dna evidence um she had many defensive wounds and she, they said you know she fought until the very end um she had suffered over 331 injuries and they estimated that the beating went on for nearly 17 minutes, which is just horrific that anybody has to, um, you know, end their life that way. But the cops um, did get footage from another store, and they did see two men on camera dressed in black around 11 p.m. And um, with the details of what had happened with Jaina and Brittany in the hospital now, and then the statement of two men, you know, dressed in black, the community was terrified. Um, so the cops did identify one likely suspect and the description on what Brittany had given the cops at the time matched what, 
Um, it was this tall guy who hung out with a shorter guy. He had a criminal record. And when they went to question him, he had a black eye. Uh, they tested his DNA, but it was in a match. So the cops are like, okay, let me go back to the crime scene and let's start over. So one thing they did discover is cleaning supplies. And they figured out that it had been used to clean up part of the crime scene, which this is usually a sign that the crime was staged. Um, and so they also start to question why Jaina was so brutally murdered and Brittany's injuries were not nearly as bad. Um, and one cop did make a, like a comment when um, Brittany was in the hospital. They said that they noticed she had had an injury on her hand that is common when someone is cutting something with a knife um, and like when the knife slips from your hand and you cut yourself. So that was just like an observation one of the cops had made. They also find a box like in the stockroom with zip ties that matched what was used to tie up Brittany. And that was a big red flag because they were like, okay, why would a criminal come in, rob a store, go, go to the back, get zip ties? Like how would they even know where to look? Like a, a criminal's not going to come and they're going to come prepared in some form or fashion. So eventually the cops are like, okay, you're, Brittany, your story's not adding up. Um, and every time the cops do talk to her, her story gets more elaborate. Um, and so they start to hone in on her as a suspect and they learn more about her and she has a history of stealing and lying. She had financial problems. She couldn't keep a job. They said she had, um, expensive taste and she wanted to put on this persona. Um, and so she was, um, had been working actually at Lululemon and, um, got fired at one point um, they called it discount theft. Um, she later, like the later the manager's decision who had fired her was overturned and she came back to work. Um, however, she'd started stealing again and her coworkers were on to her. So this was a pattern Brittany had of, you know, getting a job, um, you know, stealing people, you know, figuring it out, her losing the job. So it was kind of a cycle that she um, always found herself in. So the night Jaina was um, killed, she had actually texted her coworker saying, I have to close with the thief tonight. Do you think I will catch her? And what is like haunting is one of the coworkers responded back and was like, you know, I hope you survive. Like almost kidding, you know, but not really realizing what a horrible thing was going to go down that night. Um, and so they, another comment that was made was that Lululemon's anti-theft policy was, um, they, there was a lot of scrutiny around this because they would have, so like the coworkers had to check each other's bags. So the night Jana and Brittany worked together, it's the only, only two of them. And, you know, they, Jana would have had to check Brittany's bag. So it kind of, it, it leaves, you know, it leaves you in an uncomfortable position, especially when there's only two of you. Um, and unfortunately, that's what happened that night was Jaina checked Brittany's bag. She found a pair of pants that had been stolen. And Brittany said that she had bought them using her employee discount, but couldn't provide a receipt. So Jaina asked who she, um, who, which employer had rang up Brittany's sale. 
and Brittany gave her the name of a coworker. Well, when they left, Jaina called the coworker and confirmed that she had not sold the pants to Brittany and then called their manager and was like, you know, we caught her. Um, this will get her fired this time. So they had planned on firing Brittany the like first thing next morning. Um, and I guess Brittany like figured this out that she was going to be fired. So she ultimately lured Jaina back to the store. Um, and that is when the attack happened. Um, and for the cops, like a big clue going back to that shoe print was Lululemon did not sell shoes, but they did keep like a few pairs of athletic shoes in the back for men and women um, to try on, I guess, like when they make got alterations or, you know, whatever. Um, and so the pair of men's shoes that they had had in the back matched the ones with the bloody footprint. Um, so before they confronted Brittany, the, the cops, they reviewed the rape, rape kits as well. And neither of them had been raped. Um, they also confirmed that the men dressed in black who worked in the, um, were men who like worked in a restaurant, like in the same shopping area. And they were just walking to their cars after their shift, their shift. Um, <clears throat> and so in the final questioning of Brittany, I think they ultimately interviewed her like four different times. Um, they left her alone and I guess let her brothers and like sisters come into the interrogation room with her. Um, and apparently I guess the brother didn't know that there was cameras watching them and filming because the brother told one of the sisters that Brittany confessed and told him that Jaina had accused her of shoplifting and she lost it. Um, and so, you know, one, this is just a crazy story because, um, it was over a pair of yoga pants, you know, like how does it, using it mean you're going to murder someone like, it, yeah. over a pair of yeah. pants? Exactly. Um, and so it's just such a hard thing to wrap your head around because they made a good point of like, you know, humans, we want to believe that it's the masked man that's going to like kill us. And sometimes, and that's the whole point of red collar is it's can be these people who wear these masks and, um, but not in the, you know, not a literal mask, but you know, they're, they're hiding this crazy, um, switch in them that can just switch on at any point. And, you know, like a coworker who you just, you work at a, you know, a, a retail store, like it doesn't even make sense. Um, and they had also mentioned that, the people who, so when they had the um, trial, they brought up the, the people, like the people in the stores next door and they felt horrible for not doing anything. I mean, obviously, but it just kind of makes you think like, okay, the next time you do hear something, which Sam and I did hear something the other night, we did hear a woman screaming when I left her house, which now I'm like, Sam, should we have done something? Yes, after we recorded the held hostage episode. So we were already kind of in like high alert, on high alert. <laughs> yeah. um, we walked out and there was like a woman screaming and we paused and looked at each other like, are we in the middle of something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do we, start, do we start recording our podcast now? Yeah. Like, like only when in the building. Is this happening? Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Um, um, so yeah, it, it was, and of course all these stories are horrible every time, every, you know, there's all of them are never, never good, but she was sentenced for, to life, um, sentenced to life. Wait, what am I trying to say? Sentenced to life. And, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, in prison. Yeah, that's right. That's the right way to say it. Um, so there was some justice for Jaina's family. And I did want to uh, comment on Jaina, just so this isn't all about Brittany, but a few things about her. Uh, she was getting two masters, which I was like so impressed. She was getting a master's of communication and a master in her MBA from uh, John, Johns Hopkins University. Uh, she was working at Lululemon to um, just get some experience within sales. And this is all pulled from her obituary. She loved animals, dance and travel. It said she had you know, carried an extensive, extensive volunteer um, resume, which involved many different organizations and that she loved life, um, loved life on the edge into the fullest. So you never want to, you know, and you never want the, the criminal to get the highlight of the story. So try to always bring it back to the, to the victim. But yeah, this was just, I remember I heard this story originally on crime junkies and then again on, I think crime junkies and then again on red collar. And it's just one of those that it's so hard to wrap your head around no matter how many times you listen to it. Yeah. And I thought about that security guard you kind of mentioned at the beginning Mm -hmm. that he heard something, but he didn't want to look into it because he was listening to music. Yeah, I know. I know. It's like, okay, do your job, please. Yeah, I know. I know. So again, and that's kind of like the hostage situation where, Mm -hmm. um, you know, more with your story of just people being right there on the phone or just so many times that you're so close to just someone on the other side of the wall or someone on the other side of the phone and nothing happens. And you just like, you just think, okay, what if one thing changed? But yeah, it was, um, it's a hard story to listen to for sure. But I think it's important to know that there's crazy people, no, you know, no matter where, and like Lulu, and then, you know, they made comments on how like Lululemon pr- prided themselves on having these, you know, they had like a certain coat, like workers who like fit their mold and they just, they really trusted everybody and didn't really have things in place. And they had poor policies in place that, cause they just thought like, Oh, this would never happen in our store kind of thing. Um, and it can happen anywhere. So I've heard bad things about Lululemon as a company. Really? I don't, I don't know if they're all true, but it doesn't seem. Yeah, well, yeah, this, this story is definitely not um, a good one to have under your name. So Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate <laughs> that they're associated with this, but <laughs> no. yeah. That's, I know. Um, how it goes, yeah. I guess. Yep. So that is the yoga murders on Red Collar. Right. And then my episode is called Super Dad Psychopath, which has also been um, talked about. There's other types of media um, about the story, so you probably heard of it. Um, it was released as an episode on Red Collar in January of this year, so January of 2021, but it happened in August of 2018, and it's the story of the Watts family, and the husband and father, Chris Watts, murdered his wife, Shanann, and she was pregnant, and their two daughters, and he buried his wife and he shoved his daughters down an oil tank. Um, but it, it happened. There's, there's kind of two sides of the story and the story that you 
most people have heard is kind of the infidelity side um, of Chris's life. And um, I think this story was also on Crime Junkies and there's been Lifetime movies, which I have not seen. And there's a Netflix special, which I have seen called American Murder, The Family Next Door. And that one does go into the affair that Chris was having quite a bit. Um, but the affair kind of started when Chris had been kind of like on a health kick. So like prior in his life, he was like kind of overweight and he didn't really get that many women's attention, but he was on this health kick and he was working out all the time and he lost weight. And so he um, started a relationship with one of his coworkers. Her name was Nicole uh, behind Shanann's back. And he told Nicole that he and Shanann were um, about to get divorced and eventually said that their divorce was final, which it was not. And there was some kind of conflict in their relationship and they had been talking about divorce, but they were not divorced. And Shanann kind of put the pieces together um, and realized that he was being really distant and they weren't like intimate like they usually were. And when Chris took Nicole out on a date and used their joint credit card to pay for the dinner. Shanann kind of put the pieces together and realized that there was like someone else in the picture. And in the Netflix special, um, they show a lot of Shanann's text messages to her friends that are like, I think something is going on and he's acting so weird and he's never been like this before. Um, and just, it kind of shows you what was going on in her mind, what she was thinking. And um, about a week before the murder, she texted a friend and said, I think we're turning a corner. He's acting like his old self again. Um, this is the best talk we've had in a while. And it turns out that he was being nice and kind of giving her what she wanted to hear because he was planning what he planned, which was killing her. So that's kind of the relationship. And there was there was kind of conflict between Shanann and Chris's parents. Um, they didn't like her. They didn't attend their wedding. And Shanann accused uh, her mother-in-law of like purposely exposing her daughter who had a severe nut allergy to nuts by bringing like pistachio ice cream over to the house for a party. And Chris ended up calling it like nut gate. And he thought that she, Shanann was like way out of line and it wasn't a big deal, but Shanann was like so devoted to her kids and they were like her, the love of her life. And so they were always on the forefront of her mind. So that was a big thing to her, but Chris didn't think it was. So on the financial side, which is what Red Collar really digs into um, a little bit more than the relationship side, the couple had filed for bankruptcy in 2015. They were $70,000 in debt. And at the time they had $800 in their checking account and $9 in their savings account. And she also kind of throws in, which I mean, it doesn't matter, but it kind of matters to me that the dog was valued at $5 in the bankruptcy. And I was like, that's rude. Like the dog should be like $5,000. But anyway, they were making more money 
or they were spending more money than they made every month and um, they were not able to make their mortgage payments. Shanann started working in an MLM, which we all know is like bad news, but that's, I guess, what she was trying. And um, because their relationship was so strained and had kind of been talking about divorce, Chris was kind of thinking through, okay, Shanann's going to fight for full custody of the three kids because she was pregnant. They were going to have a third. And he was thinking, I'm not going to be able to pay child support. I'm going to lose the house because he actually moved in with Shanann. Um, she had been married previously and kept the house. So it wasn't his house. So he was going to lose his house. He was going to be paying child support that he couldn't afford and he wanted to have this new life with Nicole. So Catherine Townsend said that like he took the coward's way out. And instead of dealing with all that and like manning up and, you know, dealing with his past decisions, he decided that he was going to do away with them. So Shanann had been on a trip with, um, and as a coincidence, one of her friends and coworkers was named Nicole. So this is not the new girlfriend of Chris. This is a different Nicole. But she had been on a trip with her, and Nicole dropped her off at her house um, early um, one morning. And so she knew that she had made it home. And she had been texting Shanann and hadn't gotten a response, and she thought that was really weird. And she also found out that Shanann did not go into work that day. And she's like, okay, that's really weird. So she called um, Chris, and he didn't seem very concerned. He said that she brought the kids to a play date but didn't know where but hadn't heard from them. And um, eventually the police show up, and the investigation takes place. He ends up saying that he confesses to murdering her, but he says that she she murdered their daughters first, and Chris was in like a fit of rage and couldn't believe she did that and was so mad, so he murdered Shanann because she murdered the children, and everyone was like, absolutely not. She would never touch those children. They were everything to her, so... He's taken in and eventually, I think in the Netflix series, his they bring his dad in and I think he first kind of confesses to his dad, um, but he ends up saying that, yes, he um, strangled Shanann and then, this is horrifying, he puts her in their car with his two daughters alive. So the two daughters are in the car with their mother's like dead body and drives them to one of his work sites. And he buries the mother and the girls, um, their, their names are Bella and Celeste. And the one said, are you gonna do to us what you did to mommy? And like the last thing that the one said to him was, no, dad, no, like as he was suffocating her. And so he took the two girls' bodies and there was like the oil tank, the top was like eight inches in like diameter. So he stuffed like both the bodies down like this eight inch opening in the oil tank. Um, and so that is where he left them. And um, yeah, so it's just, again, it's, something that 
I mean, you cannot like fathom, like, I feel like the last story with the hostages, you think about like these innocent kids, especially that, um, these things happen to, and it's like totally senseless. And it's like, they were, if you wanted a divorce, like you were basically going to get a divorce, like what could come over you that could make you think that this is like the route you have to go. Um, and so, yes, he's in prison for, for life. And he says that, you know, he was sorry for the people who had to find his girl's bodies. And um, he still thinks about them every night and how sorry he is that they aren't around anymore. And it's like, mm, I don't think so. So no. Yeah. Well, and it's just, it's so frustrating because it's like, they couldn't even face the the consequences of like, okay, if I choose a divorce, these are the consequences. Okay. I may lose my house. I might have to pay child support. And it's like, you choose murdering your wife and kids over those consequences. Like the same thing with Brittany, you stole a pair of pants, you had been stealing, you lose it. You, you know, brutally murder your coworker over the consequences of being fired for your job. Um, you know like it just okay and like you still end up in jail for the rest of your life like I don't I don't get it and you have to take someone's life yeah it's so selfish like the reasoning but it's like the reasoning doesn't even I mean obviously it doesn't make sense but it doesn't even work out that way because you Uh don't end up not having to lose your house and not having to file for divorce you end up in jail so it's like how is that what you thought yeah and I think that's why we like you and I, I'm, I'm guessing, like, I don't know why we listen to these things all the time, but I think that's one thing where I get hung up on is the, like, I, it's so hard for me to wrap my head around, like, the decision-making, and I guess it's, like, with the, I don't know, the psychology, I guess, or whatever comes into play of, like, okay, there's got to be another, like, well, there is, but, the, you know, the other layers to it of, like, people just you know that him just not being able to face the consequences of just asking for a divorce but yeah I mean that's some narcissistic uh s-h-i-t right (laughs) yes I mean I guess I could just say shit but anyways um yeah that's that's a horrible but the the little girls are just um yeah it's just yeah I can't imagine how scared they were in those last moments that they had that their dad doing something like that to them I just yeah yeah so but yeah um and I guess it's like important to talk about these I don't know I mean it's like you want to you want to um acknowledge the kids and the wife and everything they went through but um yeah, I hope he, he rots in jail. So Yeah, and it's, I mean, a lot of the, not, I mean, I guess a lot of them, there's some history of, like, domestic abuse, um, mm-hmm. but he didn't have any. It was, he yeah. was, it was, he was a cheater and everything ahead of time, but mm-hmm. it's not like he had been, like, physically abusive with them, so it was, like, uh-huh. this really sudden sharp turn so yeah I mean it's a lot of a lot of times you look at these stories and you think I you know people in abusive situations like Mm -hmm. you understand how scared they are to leave or reach out and it's Mm -hmm. like you're just pleading that they do and it's like at this time you 
she wouldn't have known that anything no. like this was yeah, coming. Yeah, she was like blindsided. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, that's um, a very red Christmas for it sure. Very red Christmas. But we yeah. do have something lighter, something positive to end on. Yeah. Um, yeah although it help. kind of come, came it's about with something sad. Dark. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so we're in Nashville, obviously, and we were safe, but lots of people in surrounding areas and definitely Kentucky um, got really, really like hit very hard by the um, tornadoes. So we um, found a charity and Sam, what's it called? It's called Convoy of Hope. Yes. And so I think they're kind of helping like Tennessee, Kentucky. Um, yeah. Illinois. The, I think Missouri. Yeah, all the states. Yeah. I think there's the Midwest and through um, kind of the South, Southeast. Um, yeah. And yeah, you can go so. online, convoyofhope.org, make a donation. Ashton and I are donating, have donated. Um, yeah, yeah. It can be yeah. small. It can be big. It can be yeah. anything. Just it a little something. It can be a dollar. It could be $100. But Nashville yeah. Um, yeah. is no stranger to tornadoes. We had some pretty no. devastating ones in March of 2020. Was that? Was that? Oh my gosh! Yes, man. Yeah. Twenty twenty was like a yeah, because oh, it was weird. the tornadoes and then lockdown COVID. with COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. No, after that tornado, so I'm not used to tornadoes. Being from Louisiana, I'm mm-hmm. like hurricanes is like what I'm familiar with, and so when that bad hurricane, I mean, tornado hit in March, we like slept through the alarms and everything, like didn't even, weren't paying attention. I mean, our, where we lived, we were not like near the devastation of Nashville, but, um, you know, it was like not very far and we did, we did not do anything to prepare. Um, you know, we didn't have our phones on loud, whatever. So we definitely learned our lesson after that one and had our phones on loud a game plan so you know 3 a.m alarms went off grabbed the cats we got three cats <laughs> grabbed the cats the dog and went in the laundry room and sat in there until it was safe so yeah we don't the tornadoes in um, this area do not play and we we definitely learned our lesson with uh, that first one so yeah i was not in in tennessee at the time of the first one um and but i am from illinois and there are a lot of tornadoes there as well because oh. it's very flat land. Mm, um, yeah. And like, I mean, the city downtown Chicago does not really have tornadoes, but like out in the uh-huh. burbs, in the cornfield yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had, we had lots of those. And I used to be absolutely terrified of storms. Really? Yeah. And then I went through a phase where it did not bother me at all. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't have cared less. But then this past, this past week, I'm, this, this is probably the first one that I've been alone in, yeah, in like yeah. the middle of the night and I was like alone in my down, my first floor and I had like all my gear with me. <laughs> I mean, I, like I didn't have like a ton of stuff, but like, like flashlight, my phone, and like water, <laughs> yeah. pillow yeah. and all this. And I was like, okay, this is a little spooky because the sirens yeah. were going yeah. and it was it's you know, pitch black and trying to watch the news and like Twitter updates on my phone and everything was just freaking me out. So yeah. Yeah. That doesn't play around here with those tornadoes. So everybody stay safe and try to make a donation to convoy of hope. Convoy of hope. Okay. 
<laughs> All right, Sam. Well, let's, let's see how this episode sounds. Yeah. Um, Wish us hope, luck. Yeah, I hope this was not too bad to listen to, and I hope you guys have a very merry Christmas. Yes. Happy right. holidays. <laughs> Bye, Sam. Bye, Ashley. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.